Good morning. Welcome to Second Chances live via Facebook. Uh, thank you everybody for, for watching either on Facebook or our podcast platforms. Um, and for those of you wondering, uh, this is this is my oldest right here. This is Travis Jr. Got my two little ones on the couch. Um, and uh, I've got Laura trying to, to wrangle them up here. So we are we are not running a daycare. These are the kiddos. Um, and, uh, and so when you hear loud hoots and hollering, that's, that's what's going on today. Um, before we hop in and before we get rocking with the word, uh, I want to open us up in a word of prayer. So if you will, dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for another day to be alive and take a breath and to truly appreciate uh, the real blessings that you've given us, God. And I pray that uh, as we go through your word today, I pray that our hearts are opened and we are able to hear and see the word through uh, through a different set, through through uh, an open heart that is ready and willing to, to take the lessons that you're teaching us, God, and not just to hear them, but to apply them and, and to live them out um, in our daily lives, on our mission field, in the places that you've put us today, God. Again, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles uh, in any form or fashion, whether that be um, a paper Bible, or uh, if you have it on your tablet, your computer, your phone, um, we're going to read through an entire passage of Scripture, and then we're going to focus on one specific phrase uh, that I think is super relevant to the theme that you know I wanted to start with this this podcast, Second Chances. You know, we've we've spent a good bit of time looking at different characters throughout the Bible and the second chances that they've been given through through healing, um, through, you know, different forms of grace and, and mercy. And, and, and now we're going to focus on why. You know, why have we been given this second chance? And we may spend a few weeks on something like this. I, I you know, I don't know. It's, you know, God lays something different on my heart each week. And, um, you know, this, I think, was was relevant. You know, I've been spending time in the Word and Bible studies weekly with a good buddy, a pastor, friend of mine, and this, you know, the conversations that we've had, this was this was something that I felt, you know, God nudging me in the direction of, of talking about. So if you, again, if you have your Bibles, um, instead of just listening, follow along in your, in your Word. Um, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, we're going to read through uh, the entire passage of chapter four, um, and then we'll focus on one specific verse. Um, you know, I think it's important to have context around the the verses instead of just seeing the phrase and, and potentially taking it out of context. You know, and Paul, in his letters, you know, he writes to different churches, groups of of believers in different areas for what they're going through. And I do believe that in a lot of his letters, it speaks directly to what we're going through in this day and age. And, um, you know, especially with what we're dealing with now with with a pandemic, you know, with with us getting ready for school, for those of us that have children in school and, and those of us that are teachers or, or married to teachers, you know, get, getting ready for this next stage in life um, brings a whole different set of of issues, anxiety, and unanswered questions, and, uh, you know, this this is super relevant. So let's hop in. Let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, I'll start with us in verse 1. Um, 
this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the, the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring light to these things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Verse 6, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor against one another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you would become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. Verse 9, For I think that God has exhibited us as apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. You are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Now, these are getting closer to the verses I want us to focus in on this week. Verse 14 says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not, you, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Here we are. This is the verse we're going to focus in on this week. Verse 16, Paul says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Verse 17, this is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. As I teach them everywhere in every church, some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or love in a spirit of gentleness? So again, I want us to have a little bit of context to see what this church is going through. Paul addresses very specific issues to each of these churches based on where they are in, in their walk, uh, you know, in their ministry, and the struggles that they go through. So again, we will focus in on verse 16, where he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now, we look at Paul. Paul is writing this letter. He tells them, as Christians, to imitate him. Right off the bat, that can sound extremely arrogant. But throughout all of his letters, and we'll look at this in a second, he says, imitate me because I imitate Christ. That is the context we need right there. <clears throat> in watching people, you know, I can see, culturally speaking, this has happened to me a good bit. Um, you know, my wife is a, is a huge uh, podcaster, a YouTube watcher. She has the people that she watches, you know, whether it's she's learning techniques on how to 
be better with her her nails or her makeup and so that she can you know perform these services for her friends or she enjoys watching people's journeys um you know because they relate to her somehow she is a uh, an avid follower of those things it made me stop and realize that we as humans imitate a lot of people from fashion bloggers to sports icons, from hairstyles to lifestyles, from, and this is perfect, this wasn't planned at all, but for my son, the shirt that he has on from wearing their jerseys, their outfits to dating how they date, from the way that they dress their children to the way that they raise their children, the places that they shop, the places that they boycott, uh, the opinions that they have, the sayings, the things that they tweet. I really want to ask you this question. What is it about these people that creates a desire for imitation? You know, some would say that it's, you know, the great marketing of their personal brand. But could it be something deeper? Is it because we are chasing an identity? Or as Christians, is it that we're too scared to look like a Christian, to stand out, to be different, to not follow the crowd, to not be, dare I say, PC in this world that we live in today? As I was gathering information and in, in writing down what I wanted to talk about today through this desire that I believe God laid on my heart, it reminded me of a commercial that I, I was too young to remember it in its original context, but um, you know, I remember my dad talking about it, and I've, I've watched the spot many times before, but in 1993, uh, in, in a Nike commercial, Charles Barkley, um, you know, who's a very dominant basketball player in his day, a very uh, feared power forward, uh, you know, many names, Sir Charles, the round mound of rebound, um, was very, at the very early peak of his career, and he had been receiving a lot of questions about his on-the-court antics and, you know, how he was supposed to be a role model for children. You know, I think in his frustration, he, he got up in this commercial. I'm going to quote him here. He says, I'm not a role model. I'm not paid to be a role model. I'm paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean that I should raise your kids. In a first glance, it seems it shows how arrogant he really was. Um, and, you know, it's as a parent, to an extent, I tend to agree with him about parents raising their kids and not pushing that responsibility off on anybody else. But if we look a little bit deeper and if we take the point of what he was trying to portray, um, I think we can take the gist of what he was saying and apply it to the purpose of following Christ. You know, we, we follow after Christ to make him known and bring others to him. You know, we can look at the great uh, commission. We can look at as Jesus ascends into heaven, you know, the purpose of, of Christianity and following after him and reading these letters and, and, and having these examples uh, you know, people that have come before us and the people that are in our lives now, you know, the, our purpose is to, to, to make him known 
so that we can bring others to Christ. We can't push off our responsibility as a Christian onto, quote unquote, the, the spiritual Charles Barkley's of our lives and say, it's your job as the pastor to do that. It's your job as the husband to do that. It's your job as whoever else in your life that you may dub more spiritually responsible than you to say, you are supposed to do that and I will sit back and watch. No, I think that it's everyone's personal responsibility to learn, to follow after Christ with full abandon, right? And then to realize this gift that we've been given and then share that. You know, we are spiritual ambassadors. We are Christ's example on earth. Uh, Paul tells us multiple times throughout his letters that we are ambassadors. You know, the purpose of an ambassador is to spread awareness of the thing that you are an ambassador of. And if we are Christ's ambassadors on earth, is it not our duty to portray that? It is our job to live a life worthy of imitation by imitating Christ. That's what Paul says. He says, you know, you can find this in a lot of his letters. He says that imitate me, be like me, do what I do because I'm living like Christ lived. Y yes, he, he made mistakes. And yes, as, as followers of Christ and humans, we will make mistakes. But he says, follow me, do what I do. Live a life like I live because I'm living like Christ would live. That's our job as Christians for those people around us, for those people at work, for those, those new believers, you know, for, for our children, for our spouses, for whoever else we come in contact with. It's our duty to live like Christ lives so that when they imitate us, we give them something worth imitating. We cannot, we should not pass that role on to others. Paul, Paul says, now Paul urges this church and a lot of churches that he writes to, and I believe us today, to be imitators of him because he models his life after Christ. We have this huge gift of, of grace and, and mercy. You know, grace is is being given something that we don't deserve and, and mercy is not being given something that we do deserve. We were not worthy of an eternal life with Jesus. We, we were absolutely destined for hell based on the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God, that's where the grace comes in, is eternal life. And so we, we were given this massive gift that we tend to forget, you know, it's like I've mentioned before, and, and what I think is really relevant to, to, to this, uh, you know, I am a, a distance running coach, and um, part of, of getting to know my being able to write a successful training plan is getting to know the people that I'm coaching. And, and one of the things I want to find out early on is, why are we doing this? What is your goal? What are your goals, short term, long term? And part of why I want to know that is I find the motivation. And so when it gets to the point where the training is difficult, it's very hard, you, you feel overwhelmed by it, it's, 
hey, let's not forget the goal. Look where we started. Look where we're going. Look where we are. Look how close we are. You know, what's the purpose of it? You know, if the purpose of us being here on earth is to spread the word, is to spread this. And, and let's not forget that the end goal, you know, let's not forget that the end of this, this race, as Paul mentions in some letters, is to, you know, eternity in heaven. Look, look how close we are to that. Look, we can endure this discomfort. And I promise you, in our pandemic age where Christians uh, are, are not the norm and, and our values as a society tend to be more inward, do you do what makes you happy kind of mentality, you know, selfish. We, we have to be willing to endure the criticism that we will have by living out that Christian life. Because that's what we're called to do. When we realize and recognize and truly grasp the gift that we've been given, then we, then we have to go full force on helping everybody else see that gift. That this gift wasn't for a select few group of people, but it was meant for everybody. Lots of people re will reject it. right? Lots of people will miss it. But it's our job to take it to people through the way that we live, through the way that we talk, through the way that we do life. You know, the sun came down and gave us something that no one else is, could ever have made possible for us, a pathway to the Father. He literally bridged the gap between us and heaven with a cross. Paul implores us as followers of Christ to boast in this grace so that others may enjoy the gift. You know, it's a silly, it's a silly illustration, but you know, it's best seen uh, through, through the, the actions of children when they receive a gift that they really, really like, that they find some sort of happiness in this gift. You know, this happened to us last night. We had some friends over and we had just got the kids some new bed covers, a mattress cover, blankets, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the first thing they did when our friends arrived, because they'd been around our children before, was they said, come look at our bed, come look at this, come look at this. And they proceeded to give them a tour of their, <clears throat> their room and their bed and all of the stuff that makes their room unique, they showed it off. There was no shutting the door and saying, no, that's mine. You don't get to see it. It was, look at this that, that brings me happiness. And if we can do that with material possessions that will fade away, that will rust, that we will end up throwing away within a year more than likely, why can't we do that on a more on a greater scale with something that doesn't fade away, that actually will give us eternal life, complete fulfillment in every aspect of our lives. Give us an identity, give us meaning, give us a sense of purpose. Why can't we do that with something that actually matters? Paul writes this letter. This is a struggle to every church that he writes to. There are a hundred plus verses where it talks about Christ followers 
called to be imitators of Jesus. Therefore, I think that it's super, super important for us to listen to the message. Better yet, to answer the question that I'm going to pose before you as we get close to wrapping up here. If somebody was to ask the people nearest to you about your life, if they were to follow you around for 24 hours and watch every aspect of your life, every decision, every word, everything that, you know, every aspect of your life for 24 hours, what would they say that your life is about? What would identify you? Would they say that you're making the most of this, this second chance that we've been given? And then a question for you, whether you're a parent or not, whether you're a friend, whether you're a believer, is your life worthy of being imitated? That should be our goal as followers of Christ is to look at Paul, look at the boastfulness in Christ that he had, look at his desire to live a life worthy of imitation. That should be our goal in this day and age with this life that we've been given. Is your life worthy of being imitated? Having young kids, the answer is yes, because they want to be just like you. But if someone spent 24 hours watching your life, knowing what your mission is as a follower of Christ, is your life worthy of being imitated? Or are you a stumbling block for those that the word needs to get to? Is your life worthy of being imitated? That needs to be our goal as believers. You know, our, our society is very messed up. <clears throat> Priorities are out of whack as, as a country, for sure. We won't fix it with anything other than a heart change. But we can't say the president has to do this. The president has to do this. This administration has to do this. No, it lies with Christians. And I don't mean simply just posting on Facebook about what is, what I've heard a good pastor say, bumper sticker theology, the things that you're supposed to say, but I mean to live it out. If your life is worthy of being imitated, you will be known by your fruit and you will be so different that you attract people to your life by how you live it. You will not compose something so beautiful that it will change an entire country, but you can live life in such a way that it will change your world. And then that will spread like a wildfire. So again, as we wrap up, it's an important question. And I think if you have a sticky note, put it on your mirror, put it on somewhere you can see it every day, put it on the background of your phone. So when you look at your phone, way too much as we all do. Is your life worthy of being imitated? That should be the goal as followers of Christ is we should follow after Christ in such a way that our life is worthy of people imitating 
else because we imitate Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you again for your word and thank you for your, whew, your follower, Paul, God, and the letters that he wrote and the struggles that he went through. And God, thank you for from calling us out thousands of years later where we are in life. And yeah, our world's messed up and I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to endure being seen as a little different in this world, God. Give us the strength to stand up and say, you know, this isn't this isn't right, but I'm going to I'm going to imitate you so that they can imitate me. Let us live a life worth imitating, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.